Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome in to episode 133 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one, the only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm fantastic, Jack. How are you? I'm great. I While I'm thinking about that, I want to... Uh, acknowledge that just a couple days ago I had somebody reach out to me and say, hey, have you ever had a conversation with Sean where you didn't say how the heck are you? Does he get mad at you when he when you don't say how the heck are you? So I'm curious, do you get mad at me whenever I don't say how the heck are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, uh, like, it's one of those things that you always – introduce this podcast with how the heck are you and i've finally like you know what i've got to have my staple too and that's why i'm all the time i'm fantastic jack how are you well like it stays the same it's like you can follow me at gbb country go like it it's those things that we do that are just it's tradition now i i remember the first time i said how the heck are you and you were like well i have this going on and this and this going on and 
and like it completely like short wired my brain. It's like when you it's like when you have a conversation <laughs> with somebody and you know how you you do, you go through your typical script in your head where you're like, "Hey, what's going on, man? How have you been? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm good." It's like if you were to say, "Oh, hey, how have you been? Is everything okay?" Well, actually, here's blah blah blah. It, it like completely throws off your your groove because you're so used to the same script in life every single day. So you threw off, you threw me off my script one time, and it completely made me short circuit. So I'm very glad that you're doing okay once again, Sean Smith. Always fantastic. <laughs> I'll always be fantastic on this podcast. You'll get nothing else from me in that opening now. Well, we have a lot to talk about, as always. It's been uh, – so we – didn't get to talk after the North Carolina game, so this is going to be kind of a summation of sorts of the blowout win in Las Vegas against the North Carolina Tar Heels, and then obviously the most recent victory last night against Western Kentucky, 95-60. to 60. It was an absolute just, just dominant performance, blowout from start to finish. Really, really hard to complain about much of anything on Kentucky side of things. They really did just – just dominate from start to finish. So, Sean, let's kind of give a quick little overview of the last week of Kentucky basketball and how uh, it all happened and what's going so well for Kentucky. Um, it, I mean, things are very clearly working, and uh, it, Kentucky desperately needed a bounce back after that trip to South Bend, and they sure as heck have gotten it. They have, and I think that in the process, they're starting to find out who they are and their identity. And it's they're not taking like an absurd amount of threes, but the right guys are taking those shots now. I think that's one of the biggest differences from the Notre Dame game is uh, you remember me tweeting out those those clips and those screenshots of some guys that were were taking threes early in the shot clock, and I'm like, all right, you're okay with Davion Mintz taking this one, but you're not okay with a Jacob Toppin taking it or a Bryce Hopkins or uh, I can't remember whoever else was in the fourth clip, but. Uh, it, or my, I know Keon Brooks took a long jumper there too, but you got the right guys taking them. Kellen Grady is finally taking more shots. Some of those are designed. Some of those are with the flow of the game. And they're playing off of one another. This is the team that, in my opinion, they don't have that star. Now, Oscar Sheboy is becoming that fan favorite, that guy that I think should be on every All-American list that you see at this point in the season. But like he's not like an actual star that's going to go out and score 30 points a game or 27 points a game. This is a team that they feed off one another. They feed off Xavier Wheeler doing his thing. They feed off of Oscar Shibway doing his role. Uh, the Jacob Toppins, the Ty Ty Washingtons. You have a lot of guys right now that are playing well, but they're playing well because it's being a collective unit doing it. And I think that's the identity of this team. Yeah. I, I, I think the backcourt in particular, I mean, we got to, I, I guess let's, because everybody saw the North Carolina game, and, and that's kind of something that, that people have moved on from, obviously. Let's talk about kind of the specifics of this Western game. And, and you know, we talked about who's taking the shots and it's how the shot quality has improved with everybody. Uh, Ty Ty Washington with the, with the quietest 20 points that we've seen in a, in a long time. Kellen Grady gets aggressive, uh, something that we've been waiting to see him do all season long, 23 points on 10, 7 of 10 shooting, 6 of 9 from 3. We saw Saver Wheeler play within himself in the, in the pace of the game. He didn't, you know, he didn't blow anybody away with his stats, but, you know, 6 points, 3 of 6 shooting, 8 assists. He had 4 turnovers and 4 fouls. Um, kind of struggled with foul trouble, and it kind of put Kentucky in a bind there for uh, a little while. But 
he played within himself, and I thought he had just a, a fine game. Um, Davion Mintz, he finally got a shot to fall, even though we'll need to talk about him. I think there's still uh, a lot more for him to do as well. But it was just really a, a phenomenal all-around effort from the guard position. And, uh, I mean, really, it, it's hard to – this is exactly what we've been waiting for with Kellen Grady to expand his game and to, to not shot hunt, but but be more aggressive and find his shots and be the 17-point-per-game scorer that we know he can be and what he showed all four years at, at Davidson. I think the last two games, as you kind of touched on, it, it kind of started and stopped with Kellen Grady and everything else kind of fell in place around him. Yeah, I mean – Looking at stats here, he's 11 of his last 18. Or, no, sorry, 11 of his last 16 from three over the last two games. I mean, that's that's where it starts with him. But you know what's real? You know what's happened? When you go across this team, you remember a couple of years ago, I think it was the Quickly and Nick Richards team where Cal was talking about uh, his best teams made runs when uh, he had four or five guys that scored 20. Four yep. twenty-five points yep. or more. Yeah, look at the starting lineup and look what's happened this year. Yeah, that's and a great you can point. go down the stats with game high. I mean, Wheeler had the twenty-seven. Grady had the twenty-three. Sheboy, I know, has had at least twenty-four. Uh, let me make sure on that twenty-five. Sheboy had a game of twenty-five. I think Keon Brooks early in the year had a game as well where he got the yeah twenty-two, and then Tata Washington. Like you're you're getting something, and it's someone different every single night. But the the thing that just stands out to me is how balanced it is across the board that, that it's somebody doing their job every single night, whether it's Oscar hitting the glass or Grady hitting three, Sabir getting assist, uh, Tata with the, one of the quietest 20 point games that you'll ever see. Like it was a really good performance uh, that was kind of overshadowed by how good Jacob Toppin was and how good Oscar Sheboy was. I mean, record breaking nights. There's, this is a team that is really starting to gel and come together and find a rhythm. And now that you look back on it, the Notre Dame loss, it, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good loss. Mm-mm. It's going to look bad on a resume, but the thing that really stands out is it changed this team. They've been different since that. So it's one of those things where it wasn't a wasted, it wasn't a waste for them. They found a way to bounce back and get right. And it's during that time of year where some of John Calipari's best teams start to get right during that holiday break, moving into conference play in January. And I think that's so encouraging to see that with this group. Yeah, you I think that Notre Dame game was the eye opener that John Calipari needed. I mean, he I remember we came on this podcast afterward and we talked about how it just wasn't good enough, like the the things that that Cal was doing, the way he was calling timeouts, the way uh, his, his rotations were working and, and how he, the, he wasn't drawing up shots and, and creating plays and, and shooting opportunities for his his best shooters. And and it, it just – it felt like when things got tight, he went back to his kind of old archaic ways and it, it really, really hurt the team. And he said after the game – he was like, that game taught me what I need to know. I need to 
this team needs to play with pace. This team needs to, uh, you know, work on on finding open shots. This isn't going to be a team that it's going to be a lot of ISO ball. Guys are creating shots for themselves. It needs to be. Uh, we need to get the ball moving a little bit more. We need more, uh, you know, consistency across the board. We don't need one guy to shot hunt. We need things to be spread out a little bit. You know, he was saying all the right things, and we've heard him say that again. We we it's like this boy who cried wolf thing. We've we've heard him say. Modern offense, NBA offense, four out, blah blah blah. We've we've heard all this stuff over the the last couple years, especially, and it's like, all right, yeah, whatever. We'll 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 see how it actually happens when we get, when we cross that bridge. But we're actually seeing it these last two games where this team is playing with pace. You talked to Rick Stansbury after the game. He said, "I'm gonna be totally honest. It nothing that we did was our own fault. Everything that that happened, the way this game unfolded, was because." Kentucky executed in every little every facet of the game uh, they said he said Kentucky was the best team in America uh, last night so that no no team in America could beat beat this Kentucky team right now uh, and he and he said he wasn't comfortable his team wasn't comfortable with the pace he wasn't comfortable with Xavier Wheeler and the speed that he plays with and the way that the team just kept moving and the ball kept kept moving and, and that it just wasn't something Western was prepared for and we kind of saw the same thing against uh, against North Carolina that's what this team is it's what this team has always been I, I'm very glad that that Notre Dame game is going to be the outlier not the uh, the norm that I think it's very clear that what we've seen these last two two games is what Kentucky needs to be doing moving forward and it's uh, very very clear that John Calipari sees that as well and it and it took time but Really, when you break it down and look, the the last three games are the games that have really been against competition uh, to where we could really find some things out about this team. Like we we didn't get these we didn't get this rhythm and this chemistry and stuff in that non-conference slate with those first seven home games because they really weren't they they never were in a situation where you're like, yeah, this team's going to push them and, and actually have a chance to beat them. So I don't think that they ever got those opportunities to kind of identify what their roles were. But when you take one on the chin at Notre Dame the way that you did, you you def- and th- yeah, there there was a lot to be made about some of the defensive miscues, but they still defended well enough to win that game. Like looking back on that, that should have been that should have been a twenty point win at Notre Dame if the team was playing offensively the way they are right now and pushing the pace and taking the shots that they are. But the last two games have just been so encouraging because it got to a point to where you know the, the, the Ohio State was on the schedule and. We talked about it's a must win, and then they, they lose Ohio State because of COVID issues within that program, and then they have to regroup and get ready for North Carolina. And then it became, well, it's it's not as good of a win if they beat North Carolina, but it's a win that they have to have. Well, they started it, – it was early. They had got into a must-win mentality, yeah. and this team has responded with that chip on their shoulder. And Cal looks kind of re-energized in the way that he's talking and – uh, last night it was a little different because we didn't get to do in-person media, but we got to sit outside and listen to the post-game radio show. Mm-hmm. And I thought he said all the right things to the fans down there talking about, look, if a game gets canceled, we're going to start with number one and work our way down. We'll play anyone. We'll travel. We'll play them here. That's the stuff that you want to hear from him. That swagger back then. And I think he knows, oh, man, like we, we've got something brewing here. And look, defense is defense. I love good teams that defend especially Baylor, and you're seeing Kentucky start to do some good things defensively. But at this point in the game, offense really does it. And they're putting so much pressure on their opponents by scoring 90-plus. And it's the way that they're doing it. 
the, you'll have Grady go on his heater for a minute. And then you had Toppin going in and doing his thing. And speaking of him, I thought his performance early in the first half really changed the game. When they put him in the middle of that zone, he's a big body. He's got a lot of length. And the thing that really stood out to me was how well he passed the basketball. Career high six assists last night. Uh, with some of those post seals and those dump downs to Oscar Shibway, the firing the ball to Kellen Grady and these shooters. He is a guy that I think his role will continue to grow as the season goes along. And I think that he's a guy that needs to play 25-plus minutes if there's no foul trouble. Yeah, I, I think it's time to start having that conversation. Like, look, I I think Keon is very – I think this team needs Keon, and there's a very clear role for him, and he's a very good player. But I think that there's something to be said about the way Cal has handled his minutes in recent weeks and his kind of short – leash with him I'd say I think if you watch him closely during game Sean I I think you can tell that there's there's a a very clear frustration on Cal's side that that he's been waiting for this aha moment for Keon and we haven't seen that yet and he's reverting back to you know his old ways and he's going against you know the coaching that Cal's trying to throw it's I think it's clear that Every single time we see Keon on the floor, he cares more about – I mean, he, he wants shots and he, he'll take shots. And it's a lot of contested mid-range shots or he – you know, he'll – he's kind of a ball stopper at times. He'll, he'll get the ball at the, the, at the free throw line and, I mean, he'll be open. He'll be open by three, four feet and he'll take that mid-range jump shot and – and he's knocked some of those down, and I think that's what's given him the confidence to continue to take those shots. But it's it hasn't been consistent enough to justify how many shots he's taking from there. And I think Cal's frustrated at this point. I mean, you could see it. He's on top of the missed shots and the the, the timing of the, the shot clock and, and just kind of the, the situational offense that he's going with. He's also missing defensive assignments and he's getting scored on. And, and it's, I think there's a patience running out with Keon on Cal's perspective and the way Jacob Toppin is playing, there's really not much of a, of an explanation why Toppin's not getting more minutes. And, and I think that's exactly what we saw. We saw Toppin finish with 24 minutes against Western and Keon Brooks only had 13. And I think if Keon continues to play the way he is and Jacob Toppin continues to play the way he is, I think those the way those minutes were distri- uh, distributed, I think that's how it's going to continue. Well, and this is no knock on Keon, but Toppin has a higher ceiling. And we've known that for a while. This is what we all thought. Okay, this is why they took Rhode Island transfer. Like, you could see the long road. The who he could be, not just this year, but beyond this year, and all the potential he had in his game because of that athleticism, the the way that his brother developed and stuff at Dayton. I mean, you could see it. It's it's in his blood to transform and be a very good college basketball player and a potential pro. And the thing that separated him, every time Rupp Arena roared in the first half last night, it was because of something Jacob Toppin did or a Kellen Grady three. But some of those threes were off of what? Jacob Toppin making the right play. Uh, but the, the, the spin move in midair, uh, the dunks, <laughs> the, yeah. the energy that he brings, it breathes life into you as a team. And when he's making those plays, that's what they need from him. 
you need those guys that you mentioned that, you know, Cal's all the time about ball stoppers. And you mentioned that top, topic a minute ago. You need energy starters. And I think that they've got some guys like that in Sabir who can make a play. I Call me crazy, but grabbing a rebound for Oscar Sheboy right now is the loudest roar you hear at Rupp Arena. Mm-hmm. It's an energy starter just to go grab a rebound. Well, Toppin's that guy, too. He makes those high-energy plays, and then when you add in Grady hitting his threes and, and doing the things that he's doing, I mean, he was on another level of unconsciousness last night. Mm-hmm. And he scored 2,000 points at Davidson for a reason. I think that was his 100th double-figure scoring game as a college player. <laughs> yeah, that, is so, that is so crazy <laughs> what a that a Kentucky stat. team has that. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. It's I think it's his 45th, and I believe it's his 45th game of 20. Plus, let me let me see here. Forty fifth career game with twenty or more points. When you have that on your team, and I know early in the season that wasn't the guy that we are we were all talking about. We talked about Ty Ty. We talked about Oscar. Uh, we talked about Savir. But I remember saying, I believe back in the fall or summer, that I thought that he would lead them in scoring. I thought that he had potential to do that because he's going to be to me their best shot maker. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy, Jack, that you want taking ten threes a game. Because you feel confident he's probably shooting a clip of 50% or better almost nights. Sean, he's, as things stand right now, he is shooting 47.5% from three. That is matching Deron Lamb's career three-point shooting percentage at Kentucky at 37 or 47.5%, which leads, which is the most, the highest in Kentucky basketball history. Like, that's which, the level of season I'm having. Early in the second half last night, you know, Western gets the game down. Did they get it down to four? Is that what it was at early in the second half? And then they went to Grady. And I thought that was so encouraging to see, like, all right, let's – are we going to call a post-touch for Oscar? Are they going to do uh, something to tie off that floppy action? No, they went to that baseline action for Kellen Grady, and he buries the three. And it, the, the energy from the team last night, too, every time he would hit one of those shots and – this team's just a lot of fun. They have good personalities, and that's why I was hoping, like, man, let's let's not let this team go through a stretch where they have some poor play. Let's let's see this team get rolling, get motivated. And think about this: they've already matched their win total from last season. Gosh, I know that they played. I know that they played a lot of cupcake games, but it, it still just kind of it feels wild to say that they've already matched it. But hey, look, I know it wasn't Louisville, but it was Western. It was a quality opponent. It was a team that was coming into Rupp Arena with a lot of confidence, thinking that they could pull off an upset. They had just beaten Louisville. Louisville, to me, had no shot at beating Western last Saturday. Louisville loses that game by 40-plus last night if they come to Rupp Arena. Like, that's how good Kentucky was, and you want to see this team keep keep that energy. And I think they're going to. because, And the reason why, I think they like playing with one another. Mm-hmm. You genuinely look out there, and no one is selfish. They're all having a blast. The best teams that Cal has had, had fun while doing it. And you see all of those traits with this team right now. What what was the one topic that we continued to bring up on this show during the offseason, during the summer workouts that everybody wants to know the practice report? Who's standing out? Who's going to be the breakout player on this team? What you, you know, is there a a surprise guy that has been kind of overlooked? You ask those questions and you pry and you can you, you try to dig out of this, the the program and try to get people to tell you about you know who's looking good and, and and how things are unfolding and the one thing that everybody kept talking about Sean oh it's it's the team synergy I can't even pinpoint a single player because yeah. the entire team synergy is 
unlike anything that we've seen before. And, Sean, we've talked behind the scenes, and we've kind of hinted at some things on the show about just kind of what last season was like and how there was just this culture of of isolation. And, that, I mean, that's due to COVID as well, but there's also the personalities clashed on last year's roster, and there was clicks and things were just separated from day one. I, you know, I talked to someone during the summer that was directly involved with all this, and they said that that, that, that team was screwed from the start. That team had no chance of, of lifting off the runway. That team was screwed from they day did. one. And this team, you, you hear those same things. I mean, coming off a year like they experienced last season, you, you kind of hope that, that the narrative is going to be a little bit different, that you, you start – it's like, all right, well – are things improved? How are things going now? Is is this something that we should be worried about again? You know, what what are those? And it's like, look, I'm here to tell you right now, it is a night and day difference between last last year's group and this year's group. Everybody in, around here loves each other. They're so happy. The the chemistry is at an all time high. This is a group that wants to be around each other. They love each other. They support each other. They want what's best for each other. There's no clicks. There's no buddy, buddy, I care more about this guy than this guy. There's none of that, Sean. Everything that is going on with this team, and we've heard this from day one during the, the off-season workouts, and it it has directly translated on the floor. We have seen that camaraderie and that, that team chemistry and that synergy. We have seen that on the court. It has translated directly, and now it's starting to translate into to significant wins and, and that, that kind of stepping stone. They're, they're stacking one solid win on top of the other, and, and they're, it, you're, you're seeing that, that forward progress and that momentum moving forward day by day. Last night was one of the best nights at Rupp Arena in a long time. You got you got well, you got to go back to the 2020 season uh, when they when they had the Richards and Quickly team, and they were going on their run there with some big home games. That was the best night at Rupp Arena in a long time. The, the crowd really showed up, and that's the thing with the the pictures before the game. If any one of us post a picture at the time of the anthem or the or something like that, it's not going to look good because people are still filling into their seats. Mm-hmm. But that crowd was really good last night. Yeah, it was like a, that it was rough awesome. roar was how it used to be last night for some of those plays, and I, I just think it was a it was a good night for the state. It was a good night for not only Kentucky fan base, but for Westerns fan base to come together for a great cause and and helping out you know, our, our brother and helping out our, our family and our, our people that make up, make the state what they are. And it, it was a good night of basketball. It was a good night for Kentucky. I think they're getting right just at the right time. I mean, now you're going to move into some games here at conference play kicks off. Uh, you're going to, uh, how about this too? Did you see Aaron Calipari's tweet last night of Brad and Cal? I did not. On the plane. And, they were already – you see Brad on the laptop or on the iPad and Cal on an iPad, and they're already breaking down Missouri. That's awesome. They weren't even, they weren't even out of their, their game clothes yet. Like Cal was still in the exact same clothes. They were flying go to, to go to Christmas, and they're breaking down film on Missouri. And I was – and I looked at that. I meant to tweet it. I meant to quote tweet it because it really stood out to me. I'm like, all right, you just had a 35-point win on the hills of a 29-point win against North Carolina, and you're still preparing. Mm-hmm. You're still preparing. That is, that is what is so encouraging. And I I, I, text, I texted you last night about Orlando Antigua, and I don't know if you missed it or if you saw what I, mm-hmm. I, what I was talking about, but there was a point there in the second half where Cowell got frustrated. 
and him and our him and Orlando kind of went back and forth. And it, it was that moment where I'm like, All right, this is what Cal needs someone to stand up and challenge him. Yeah. And just to, you know, be like, hey, what it's okay. And it was something about it was about Keon actually. So Keon goes back in the game. He makes the play. I think he missed a shot at the rim. Uh, got an offensive rebound, maybe missed another one, and they ended up getting an offensive rebound on possession, and then Keon got an and one, I think. Yeah. I believe it was an and one or got fouled or went to the line. And the first one up off the bench was Orlando Antigua. Yeah. And it wasn't to go to Keon. It was to Cal, and they both gave each other high five. And it was that moment to where I think Cal's frustration with Keon, the stuff that you talked about a minute ago where he's wanting him to break through and, and do some of those things that we've been waiting three years for him to do. And Antigua was like, hey, just just calm down. He just went back in the game. He's been sitting over a bit. I know he had some foul trouble. And it was like that moment where he made a play and Orlando was up and him and Cal, you could see the agreement on both of their body. But the body language, the body language on the bench just feels so much better this year across the board. And I just think that that – I texted you. I said, man, Antigua was so good for Cal. Mm-hmm. And that's that moment. And that's something that you will you will not see on, on tape. You might see it if you go back and watch the game at that moment, the second half. But it just stood out to me that that was the high five, was Antigua and Cal. There, there was no trust on last year's staff. I mean, the, you don't want to slam the last administration and, and how that all unfolded. And, and I know that the – the staff that they had before, they were good people, and they did a lot of things very well. And I think that, uh, you know, they were both undervalued in, in different ways. And I think that they both brought things to the table. But at the end of the day, Cal never trusted either of them to be his right-hand man. He just did. Uh, Kenny Payne was that guy. And during that time, he was uh, – when he had that kind of confidant at, at his at his side – he was able to have the number two and number three options be Tony Barbie and Joel Justice when he left and those other two moved up and then you had Bruiser Flint kind of take that spot and Jay Lucas was there in uh, that that role. There was just never a level of, of trust in accountability. And I, I think this the, both of those guys are going to be – they oh. ha- have their own roles and they're going to do their own things, and, and I wish them both the very best in their, their current roles and their future roles and however things unfold for, for both of them. But this this staff needed Orlando Antigua back. This staff needed a new fresh face in Chin Coleman that has developed a very strong reputation on the recruiting trail and uh, comes highly recommended re- recommended from very powerful people in the basketball world. When you get nods from the higher-ups in, in the recruiting scene, at like EYBL scene and those type of guys, those are the guys – like Jay Lucas is that perfect example. He has gotten – the boxes on him checked off for years now, and that's why Cal trusted to, to bring him in and kind of trust him with that new role. There just wasn't that level of trust before. There wasn't that level of chemistry, that accountability – Cal didn't need a yes man. Cal didn't need a guy that was going to sit there on the on the sideline and, and shake his hand and go, "Good job, Cal. You did a great job. That's a great call." When when Kentucky's losing games and and missing out on high profile recruits that they shouldn't be missing out on, Cal needed a guy like Orlando Antigua that can look at him in the eye and say, "Cal, we're fine. We're good. Stop. Chill." Or when he needs, uh, you, you know, a a learning opportunity or whatever. 
there needed a, needed to be a level of accountability, and, and Orlando Antigua provides that, and and I think Chin Coleman does as well, and Jay Lucas is growing into his role as well. I think the way things unfolded could not have been more perfect for this program. And, Sean, I think you brought up a great point. I think we got to see that in full display in that moment. I do, before we, we keep moving forward, I do want to say Keon Brooks is at his best when he does attack the basket like that, when he does go for and ones. And he's a mismatch nightmare when he wants to be. And I think that's where that frustration stems from is he floats and he just he wants to be a stretch four so bad. And it's like, yes, you can – you just because you can shoot doesn't mean that you have to do that. That has to be your only game. You don't have to live on the perimeter and you don't have to only shoot 16 to 18 footers. Drive. Use your length and your athleticism to create mismatches. Why do you settle so often? And I think that's where that frustration stems from. And I think that moment in particular, because I was up in my press row seat watching that moment, and I looked over at Zach Gagan, who my, my coworker at KSR, I said the same thing. I said, that's what we need. That right there is what we need from Keon Brooks. Attack. You can, you can be a, a – legitimate playmaker and, and star on this team if you want to be. Attack. Keep fighting. Well, Do those things. It just feels like he's gotten so passive and he's at his best when he's aggressive and he's looking for mismatches. And that's and that's what stood out to me was Cal's frustration. He was about to pull him out. right? And he'd just gone in. And that's when Orlando was like, just easy. And then he finished it off with a good play, and that and that's what stood out to me. How many times do you see the head coach turn around and give the top assistant a high five? Yeah, going into a timeout. That, that's not what they do. You don't see that during the game. Mm-hmm. That 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 really stood out to me, and I'm I don't know how many people caught that. I think it's one of those things you probably had to be at the game and where we sit. You and I are on the the end right behind UK's bench, so we get the best view of what's going on during the game and live live time. And uh, that really stood out to me as, as a positive to see that yeah, because it means you're on the same page and there's, you're going to have little moments on coaching staff where you disagree and you agree, but th- those moments where you're like, all right, you were right. Like th- this worked out. It's good to see things like that. Yeah. Let's uh, kind of start our, our uh, downward trajectory um, to the, the home stretch. I think it's funny that we've gotten 31 minutes into this show, Sean, and we haven't addressed the <laughs> six foot nine, two hundred fifty five pound elephant uh, that breaks Shaquille O'Neal's records like it's a like it's no big deal. Uh, you know why? You know why, right? Why? Because it's it's one of those things where it's what makes great players great is they do it so much that it becomes just you expect them to do it. So that's why we haven't talked about it yet. But yet, I mean, he broke a record, and he didn't just break it; he shattered it, Sean. I think there's there are some times that people, like you said, great players, you become, you grow to expect that. You expect greatness every single time they step on the floor. And we have reached that point with Oscar Shibway. And, you know, you look at a guy like LeBron James in the NBA. You expect a near triple-double every time he steps on the floor. You expect uh, James Harden at his in his prime to be a 40-point per game type guy who who is capable of going out and scoring 40 points any night. You expect a guy like Chris Paul to, to get 12, 13, 14 assists in a game. You When you develop a reputation like that, games outside of that, like if, if there's an outlier game where Chris Paul has four assists in a game, you go, oh, 
well, that's a crappy game. What happened there? You don't say anything whenever he's he's at his highest, but it's it's more noticeable when he doesn't do that. We we are at that point with Oscar Shibway, but I do not. I, you you got to give the dude his roses while he can smell them, while he's here and and in the process of making this history. Because Sean, twenty eight rebounds in regulation of a forty minute college basketball game is something that we will never see in our lifetimes. The, the the what he's able to do every single night and put up the numbers that he does and the effort and and how it's so effortless the way he does it and it's just a constant knack for finding that basketball Sean it's something that I've never seen in my life and it's something that like you gotta you gotta just tip your cap to because what Oscar Sheboy is doing right now at Kentucky is legendary I mean it's not great it's not impressive it's legendary this is a guy that deserves every bit of of celebration and pats on the back that he's getting. I mean, you go on this list of of records and accolades that he accomplished with that stat line of 14 points and, and 28 rebounds last night. He sets a Rupp Arena record, 28 rebounds, previous mark set by none other than Shaq in, two, in 1990 with 21. It's the tied for six most in – UK history for in the most in more than 45 years. Mike Phillips had 28 in an overtime game back in 1976. It's the most for a Wildcat in a regulation length game in more than 52 years. Dane Issel had 29 against LSU back in 1969. Uh, 28 rebounds are the most in Division One college basketball since Kendall Gray from Delaware State recorded 30 at Coppin State in 2015. Um, it is tied for the fourth most rebounds in Division One basketball. Oh, I heard, um, dating back to the 1996-1997 season, and it was obviously its third 20-rebound game of the year. You just go down that list, and it's just one after the other, more and more and more. And it's like, this is, this is history. Like, this is history being made, a guy that his story is so phenomenal and how he got to this point. And, and you, you hear all the background noise with, with Bob Huggins and all that garbage and all that. And it's like, man – it's so hard not to root for this kid and really want him to shut all the naysayers in his life up and to continue to find success and, and make a name for himself because he's one of the most most impressive talents I've seen come through Kentucky, Sean, in a long, long time. He He's a player that when you go through the post-game notes, it's seven to ten bullet bullet points deep. And that's when you know you're doing stuff historic. When you when you have a guy at Kentucky that the post game notes, I'm looking at it on my phone right now. It almost takes up my entire screen on my iPhone 12, <laughs> and and that is that's what's nuts. And it's just all the stuff. I mean, it's talking the, the rebound record, uh, talking about 28 rebounds, something you know, Mike Phillips, all these people that he, he's mentioned with. And when you're you're talking about the referee record of 34 with Bill Spivey, you're like. I didn't think at any point would that ever be touched. Yeah. But, I mean, he, he had a chance to get it last night if Cal didn't take him out when he did in the second half. He, w- he went right back in. He had, what, 20 – I think he was at 24. The next thing you know, you look up and he's at 28. Yeah. Off one possession. And it was – yeah, it was one after the other after the other. We, we did this, the live blog on KSR, and we were kind of tracking it as it was going. We went 20, 25, 26, 27, 28, and it was like – Every, every single uh, rebound was within, like, 12, 13, 
20 seconds of another. It was unbelievable. I mean, the the, the buildup and, and, and I want to go back to the point that you made earlier, how the crowd just kind of rallied behind this team and, and that, that atmosphere because when they showed Oscar Sheboy's name on that video board and he came up and, and his face was on the Jumbotron and the, the, the graphic popped up that said Rupp Arena's all-time leading rebounder. And the yeah. smile that he had on his face, and he kind of did his uh, – he flexed a little bit, and he smiled, and he kind of laughed, and he danced a little bit. Sean, that roar that we heard from the Rupp Arena crowd was something that we have not heard in a long, long – especially for an individual – I mean, we've seen team explosions and, and celebrations. I remember like that, tw- that 2018 game, the P.J. Washington game against Tennessee at home. I remember that was – a whoa, this crowd is unbelievable explosion. And we've had those type of moments in the past as a t- like, you know, celebrating the team success. But in a, a crowd rallying behind one individual player, Sean, I haven't seen something like that in a really long time. And I think that begs the question, and I put this on Twitter, and it, it, a lot of people agreed, some people disagreed, and they threw out some other names. Do you think, Sean, Oscar will have the chance to go down as one of the most beloved Kentucky basketball players in history. Is is that something that he can he can reach? He can. And the reason why is because of the way that he does it. It's just every time the kid speaks, he says something that just makes you love him even more. Yeah. And that's it's kind of hard to do. Uh, when you're when you've already done it probably ten times, I mean every time that he talks, Jack, it's just his humble approach. His this is a kid that all along wanted to be at Kentucky, yeah. And we know when he got went to West Virginia that that wasn't really where his heart was, but yet it worked out for him, and he's at Kentucky now. And I think that he's grateful for every single opportunity that he gets. Uh, uh, what you, how could you not love him? I think he's the most belovable kid in college basketball. Yeah, right now. And I like I said, he should be on every single All-American list that goes up right now. And I saw a bunch of them last week and he was on none of them. Like, how can you not like the dude is breaking records at Kentucky and it's not just rebounding. He's scoring the ball, too. I mean, he's had his 24 and 25 point nights. He was the only he was the reason why they had a chance to beat Notre Dame. He he played seven minutes in the first half against North Carolina and still finished with 16 and 12. <laughs> like what? Like foul trouble doesn't foul trouble only prevents him from having another historic night. Yeah. That's he's literally still what better, down to. He's still better than most people's best, even when he's in foul trouble. And he just, he's always in position. He has, he has a skill. It's a, it's a skill. Like a lot of people I've heard for years, I've coached basketball. I've been coached and I hear coaches all the time say rebounding doesn't take any skill. It's just effort. False. Yeah. He's got the effort, but he's got some skill too, because he reads the ball off the rim and the backboard better than anyone I've seen. Well, he, at this level, he said something to the effect of somebody asked him like, how do you know? And he said something like, well, I know that if a player shoots it from a specific angle that there's an 85% chance that the ball is going to bounce off the rim and come my direction, that he positions himself based on where the ball is shot and 
where it comes off the rim, and that's where he positions himself off of it because he knows that that almost nine times out of ten that ball is going to go his direction, and and he knows in a one on one he's going to get that one on one, and that's that's where his success stems from. And I think that's such a an unbelievable way of thinking things through and and it I mean it, it like you said it, it's a testament to to show how advanced he is as a rebounder it's not just about effort it, I mean yes effort is a very strong portion of it but it's not all effort it it does come down to skill and it, it's a I mean it, it truly is a science and Oscar Sheboy has I mean shoot call him Albert Einstein because that dude is is the biggest rebounding scientist I've ever seen of all time we, we live in a world today, in a sports world today, where players want to know what about themselves. What's the first question a youth player wants to know nowadays? And I see it. How many points did I have, Coach? Yeah. What were my what was my points today? Oscar Sheboy, I think, is making it cool to rebound. I think so, too. I think you're, you're going to see Kentucky kids that are youth players that are down here going like, I want to go grab 20 rebounds like Oscar's grabbing right now. Yes. And he's taking pride, take pride in doing it. That's what I'm saying about this team is you've got guys that know their role and they're buying into it. And it might just be that they're really good at that one thing. But what happens is that one thing goes with someone else's one thing. And then it goes with the other's one thing. And we know what Xavier Wheeler's good at. And he had his game against Carolina. That was the talk. Sabir Wheeler was the talk of the day and the talk of the weekend. Fast forward to last night, it's Kellen Grady. It's Oscar Sheboy. It's Jacob Toppin. You go into Missouri, it might be somebody else. And that's what's making this team so hard to defend. And I think that's what is ultimately going to make them hard to eliminate in that NCAA tournament is there have, they have a lot of guys. You can't just take one thing away. You worry too much about Oscar, Grady's going to get you. You worry too much about Grady, Sabir's going to do his thing. They have a lot of guys, and I just think they have a lot of parts that are hard to take away. They might not have that star that's just going to go out there and, and do it every single night, but they got a lot of stars in individual categories, and that's what's making this team very good. And I think that's where that confidence stems from with Coach Cal and where it, where it has all along – uh, where he was, he was so willing to go on ESPN and go on all these morning radio shows and say, "I hope you enjoyed your laughs. I hope you had fun because we're coming back with." And we minutes. talked about that after and, Notre Dame, and we, didn't we? And we teased him, and and I, I still think that was justifiable. You can't go crap the bed against against bad schools and run your mouth like that. But if you're going to run your mouth like that then you need to go play the way you did against North Carolina. And you need to go do what you get, uh, did against Western Kentucky. You don't have to beat every team by 30-plus points. But if you're going – you just have to put your money where your mouth is. That's all I care about. If you are that confident in your team and you think that this is a group that's capable of, of accomplishing X, Y, Z, you know, if, if you think that they can go on a Final Four run and do that, cool. I, I, want, I want you to – to ignite the fan base again. I want you to put that stuff in into the uh, you know into the social media world where it gets written on blogs and it gets talked about because we need the the fan base and and we, you know me as a as a writer I needed to have something new to write about and we as you know podcasters it was horrible talking about what we did last season there was something to be said about needing needing a fresh start needing that confidence but it can't be false confidence it can't be this kind of false hope that you instill in, in your fan base, and, and that's when they really turn against you. And that I think that was kind of 
our biggest point is you, you can't – the fan base was already on the cusp of of not giving up on the program but really going south quickly. And that Notre Dame game, I noticed on social media and I noticed in the comment section on message boards and reading everywhere, uh, just talking to people, mouth, you know, word of mouth, talking to people at, at different events, that there was a lot, uh, there was just a lot of apathy. People just didn't care anymore about, uh, about this program. And, and I think that was an issue. I think that's something that you can't lose your fan base in that way. And I think when, Cal talks the way he did this offseason and kind of build up that built up that hope and then you that Notre Dame game kind of crushed a lot of those spirits what they did these last two games has has firmly reestablished that that confidence and that momentum back that they desperately needed this these last two games this stretch of games was exactly what this what this program needed and uh it's certainly certainly given me a lot more optimism and hope of a of a legitimate deep postseason run well um i i'm certainly more confident now and there's another element that you got to add to it and that is mm-hmm. shade and sharp mm-hmm. when he gets on campus because even they're playing well right now and i thought at first the only way that he would get an opportunity is if they weren't playing well i'm starting to i, I actually still see a spot if yeah. he comes in and he does what he's what we think he can do and he's the consensus number one player and that shows up in those practices early I'm starting to see a role because they're right now they're, there's four perimeter players that they're really working with, and it's Savir, Grady, Ty Ty, and, and a, some Davion Mets here and there. There's mm-hmm. some there's a spot there for 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 Sharp if he earns it, and then whatever they're doing at the four, I think you're going to see Toppin take a lot of those minutes. You're still going to see Keon play. And then we know what they are at the five. Damian Collins is a guy that they need because there's going to be games where Oscar gets in foul trouble and they're going to need that length. And I thought it was good to see Damian go in there and them, them run a play to get him a lob at the rim. And then he hit a, the jumper along the baseline and he made some plays. But this team is starting to find who they are. And that rotation is starting to take shape. And I think you're going to really see it take a lot of shape between now and when they go to LSU. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that's a game that I'm really circling here coming up. That that's the net now. The Missouri at Rupp, and I know High Point comes to town, but LSU on the road is a game that I'm circling to where this team takes an opportunity and goes in there with all right. This is a game that we can pick up a very big win. LSU up to I think the last time I looked, number three in the net. I've not checked their standing today, but that would be a huge win mm-hmm. for Kentucky if they get it. Can how about this? Kentucky up to number twenty three. Is that what I said earlier? In the I day? think so. Yeah, yeah. From they were fifty-one when they tipped off against North Carolina, and they're wow. up to number twenty-three in the net. Actually, I'll read some of these net rankings off. So LSU is three. Listen to these opportunities that Kentucky has. Kansas is seven. Tennessee eight. So you get two opportunities against Tennessee, yep. and you get Auburn at ten. I mean, there's opportunities for quality wins in Kentucky at number twenty-three. Here we go. I mean, that's that's right around the corner. SEC play is here, and that's it's uh, both both uh, nerve wracking and also extremely exciting because it's kind of like <laughs> it's time to put our money where our mouth is. We're getting excited. We uh, there's a lot to be optimistic about. A lot of guys are starting to stand out and kind of solidify themselves as true, you know, absolute playmakers for this team and, and standouts for this team and. And uh, it's only going to continue to 
solidify itself or or you know fall short here in the next couple of weeks. So that I, yeah, I think that LSU test is going to be huge. But I still think it's going to be awesome to get just get SEC play rolling against Missouri on Wednesday. I think we'll know a little bit more about you know the end of bench, what happens by then, because that's when the winter uh, session kind of. I believe comes to a close or it starts, I think it's the last opportunity before uh, the spring semester or whatever the case is. I, I don't know the specifics of it, but um, I know that that's where we'll probably find out about the future of Dante Allen. If he stays with this program and, and uh, you know, does he stay the, the rest of the semester? Does he stay the end of the year going into the off season? How does that all unfold? We're going to learn about that here in the coming days and, and uh, I think that, that Missouri game is going to be pivotal for a lot of reasons. And I think, speaking of Sharp, Cal said that he was expecting him after Christmas. And uh, we are now by, you know, we're now almost to that point. He'll be here either in the next week or two. And that's when all bets are off. That's when we start figuring out, is, is he going to play? Does Cal want to play him? Does UK need him? A lot of questions that we have about this team are going to be answered here in the very near future. And, uh, Sean, it's definitely something that we're going to be excited to talk about. Absolutely. A lot, of, a lot of stuff to talk about over the next few weeks as we move into SEC play. Last note for me, uh, that Notre Dame loss right now sits at a quad two. Hmm. That's not going to kill your resume. If, if it could stay a quad two, it'd be great. Yeah, I think there was some talk because of their lack of quality wins and some of their – uh, quality of losses that 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 was going to be potentially as low as three or maybe even four. I mean, that would have been they would have had to really implode for the rest of the year for it to stay at a four. But there was a lot of talk about it being a three. So if it, it can stick in that two range, I mean, I I think that we're still it doesn't kill you. Yeah, on selection Sunday. Yeah, it doesn't kill you. And like I said, there's so many opportunities to get quality wins. There, this is a team that could could end with a nice chunk of quad one wins if if they can uh, have a good showing in sec play and they're they're certainly playing their best basketball at a time where they they need to be because the schedule gets tough it most certainly does and uh, we are quite excited to talk about it sean it's gonna be a lot of fun stuff moving forward and uh with that let's let's get out of here let's uh go down the home stretch of this i we have one message from our sponsor we also have some other sponsors uh, in, in talks here in the very near future. So a lot of exciting stuff here at the uh, Sources Say Studios. But first, before we get out of here, the NBA season is well underway, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to games, Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection. Prize Picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. You can have picks across sports, too. With the NFL playoffs approaching, add in some of those players to your picks with their over-under projected receiving, rushing, or passing yards. Download the Prize Picks app or visit prizepicks.com and sign up using promo code PILGRIM. That's P-I-L-G-R-I-M to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget, that's the Prize Pick 
PrizePicks app or prizepicks.com and the code PILGRIM to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky stars to the next level. PrizePicks is also in the middle of its 12 days of Pixmas promo, where every day a new promo code is released each morning to celebrate the holiday season, including major promos on Christmas Eve. That is today. By the time you guys listen to this, it'll be today. And on Christmas Day, awesome stuff there from Prize Picks. By all means, please do it. I assure you, you will not regret it. I have a lot of fun uh, playing on the Prize Picks apps. I I've been doing it every single Sunday for throughout NFL season. It's been an absolute blast. Promo code Pilgrim. I promise you, you will not regret it, Sean. Just like I don't regret having you on again because this was awesome stuff, and I'm very uh, appreciative of your time and your insights as always. This was a lot of fun, and uh, uh, look forward to the next one. There'll be a lot coming, that's for sure, because uh, Missouri right there on the 29th, two days later, high point, and then right into SEC play. Absolutely. Well, with that, let's uh, look forward to that and get the heck out of here and get ready for a Christmas holiday that we're all uh, in desperate need need of right now. So, Sean, let's get out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. I hope you all have a Merry Christmas. And as always, thank you for continuing to listen to sources say we we thoroughly enjoyed the the banner back and forth in the dms and tweets and uh hope that we can continue to bring you another year of a lot of good podcast content as we move into 2022 very soon absolutely very well put you can find me on twitter at jack pilgrim ksr reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentucky sports radio.com very much looking forward to the next episode and another great year in 2022. It's going to be a fun one filled with awesome basketball content and things to uh, keep you sticking around listening. We're grateful for each and every one of you. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays with each and every one of your family members, your friends, your loved ones. Um, we all need it right now, and uh, I'm grateful for all of you guys. So thank you so much. Hope you have a very Merry Christmas, and we'll be back next time for another Jam Pack Source to Say podcast. We will Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, 
Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.